Warm welcome to Meditation Jam. My name is Maria and I'm your host. Last fall I went to Bali on an energy adventure where I tuned in to the theme of passion for life. And when I was in Bali I stayed at the beautiful boutique villa, the Pineapple House. And today I'm really happy to have Rachel Fernley and Lucy Foster Perking to join us shortly. Two entrepreneurs that has followed their flow in life and ended up as a resort company owners yin yoga teacher trainers, breathwork teacher trainers, the whole health project creators, and a lot more. So I'm really excited to share this talk with you. And straight after we go into today's meditation, where we connect to our third eye to clear our view, but also to clear the view for our own seed of passion for life that is growing and expanding. And I think that's a perfect timing to bring in more of this lust for life into our day during these times. So I hope you will enjoy it and I'm really happy to now say welcome to Rachel and Lucy. Today we say warm welcome to Rachel and Lucy all the way in Bali. Hi, how are you? Hi, good, thank you. Hi, yeah, we're great, thank you. And it's afternoon in Bali right now? Yeah, it's just past five in the afternoon, so the sun is starting to lower down. Lovely. So I got to meet you both last fall when I was staying at the beautiful pineapple house in Bali, and I was there two weeks. And what I could tell is that you both have a lot of experience, ideas, and entrepreneur spirit and energy of spreading a good holistic lifestyle with yoga and surfing and breathwork and other parts that comes along with this. So I'm really curious, how did you start all this and when did you start your personal journeys? So I I founded the Pineapple House, I guess, six or five years ago now, something like that. And I previously had been working professionally on boats, sailing and racing. Ah. And then after 10 years of doing that in my 20s, I decided to become a yoga teacher. Uh, So that would have been about nine years ago now. And I traveled around the world for a couple of years teaching and studying. I was in Central America and then uh, Thailand, Sri Lanka, India. And then I ended up in Bali where... I worked for another retreat company uh, managing their retreat Mm -hmm. and I did that for about 18 months and then I left that company and just on a real wing and a prayer decided to set up the pineapple house so I was in in a position where I was kind of faced with like I either have to leave Bali because I don't have a job and legitimate jobs were quite hard to come by uh, for foreigners. Um, so my other option was setting up my own company. So uh, with zero experience running a business or having my own retreat, I put all the money that I had, which wasn't much, <laughs> into setting up the Pineapple House. And as I mentioned, it was real a real wing and a prayer experience. I um, just put it out there. There weren't that many retreats in Bali at that time. Um, the, the retreat industry was, it was really fortunate. So it was just really before the big boom of sort of health and wellness and retreats and mm. 
Um, and so I just I just kind of got in there sort of at a really good time. And also, I guess, just found a real niche in the market that wasn't the real high, high end retreats. And it wasn't, a, you know, a kind of a, a sort of dirty surf camp yeah. type experience. Was your vision from the start to have all that it become or did you start in a small part and then it kind of grew and branched out? No, I had no idea what I was yeah. what was come no. I yeah what I was I had no idea what I was doing either to be honest I just knew you know from a young age I knew that I was destined to be my own boss mm-hmm. um I like I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs actually I don't know if there is anybody else in my family that is an entrepreneur but I just knew in me that that's what my kind of dharma what my path was so the opportunity arose and and I was I was kind of just happy skipping along for a while with the pineapple house just having that and living a real like lifestyle life just surfing every day doing yoga for me then the the big change really came when I fell pregnant and I was making from the beginning I was making the path of motherhood as a solo parent and that you know that changed some things in me where I was like wow I really I really need to up my game like I've been living I've been running this beautiful place by myself it's cool it's it's given me enough to survive or more than survive it's Mm. it's it's afforded me this beautiful lifestyle but I feel like now because I'm raising a child by myself I I need to take things a bit more seriously I need to kind of put focus my attention a little bit better and really start to create more that'll give me more of a sustainable income and just be able to give me that sense of security and safety and then you know that's pretty much sort of very timely as to when Lucy appeared so we were already friends from a few years before and then um, I mean I'll let Lucy tell her side of the story but basically Lucy kind of reappeared back in Bali at the right time where she was really looking for an opportunity and was in that right space and I was really looking for somebody to share and what I have and partner with and basically grow. That's lovely and Lucia, how did you start with this? My first career was as a professional dancer. So I worked in uh, the UK and Austria dancing and all kinds of different things wherever I could get a job. But I always surfed, or I had since I was a teenager, and that had just become more and more important to me. And I was surfing more and more, but every time I went for a surf or went somewhere where I could surf, I just felt like I was visiting the lifestyle that I wanted to live and it the little voice inside inside just got louder and louder Mm. then eventually I took the leap I got a few signs and took the leap to become a yoga teacher so that I could teach yoga to surfers and that's what I kind of specialized in straight off and it just flowed really well for me in terms of you know as a dancer I was just push push pushing and then as soon as I became a yoga teacher, jobs came my way, um, opportunities to travel. So I first got a job in France and I also set up a couple of companies. Um, I set, started a surfboard bag company and I was uh, making bespoke bags for that. And then also started doing more online classes for surfers. And I had I'd started Yoga for City Surfers in London, which is actually a really big success, and that branched out to Bristol. And then I did workshops in Dubai and had someone in Sweden do some classes, so that started to branch out. 
And then I worked for a place in India and Sri Lanka and not knowing, but I had taken on Rachel's job. And oh. <laughs> everyone who I met was like, oh, you'd get on with Rachel so well. You should meet Rachel. You should go to Bali and meet Rachel. And then I had a gap between a job in India and a job in Sumatra. And I had six weeks off and I was asked to teach a retreat in Bali. And then five days or a week before the retreat, before I flew out, I checked in with the retreat owner and they were like, oh, that retreat's not happening anymore. And I was like, oh, but I've kind of booked my flights. And yeah. so my friends were like, we'll just go and stay with, with Rachel. So I got in touch. We'd never met. And I was the first guest at the Pineapple House. And I oh. just booked in a room and I booked for three nights and I stayed for six weeks. And we became really good friends really quickly. And after that time, I, I really, really, I knew that I wanted to come back and, and live in Bali. So Rachel helped me with that. And I came back and I taught at a few yoga studios um, here in Bali. And then I met a man and I moved after a year long distance. I moved to Australia and I was there for two years and it didn't work out. And then I came back to Bali just because I didn't know where else to go at the time and I knew I just needed somewhere to just rest and cry and sleep for a few weeks and mm -hmm. so Rachel opened up everything to me she was just like come and stay and just be for a bit and I didn't know that she had been looking for someone to partner with and so then she popped the question and said well, look how about you take on Pineapple House and I'll grow my online business and you grow the Pineapple House and that was just over a year ago, mm. um, the Pineapple House has really grown since then. And Rachel's had the space to grow her online company. And then also we had the opportunity to create a yin yoga teacher training, which has been so fun because we've we love teaching together. And it's amazing to see our students really flourish and grow. Um, and then obviously Corona hit. And we, our retreat company closed down temporarily and we've plowed everything into creating more offerings and trainings online. And, and now we're working more closely together because we're working on projects that are directly created by both of us, um, which has been great. I mean, we've, we're really lucky to be in a business partnership that's also a friendship and we also live together and, we find a really good rhythm where we can be all those roles seamlessly. Yeah, and not kill each other. And not kill each other. <laughs> we've just launched a breathwork course and we've spent the last three weeks very, very intensely creating the course and filming and editing and uploading and, and marketing and everything. And um, we're both pretty tired, but we just work really well together. Mm. We, we bounce off each other. We're quite similar, which actually works quite well I mean we're both ideas people and we're both very driven and entrepreneurial and then we're also quite good at delegating yeah to, uh, to uh, some very 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 um, talented uh, virtual assistants yeah but also listening to both your stories like you're both also trusting in life and going with the flow and just trusting your body when it tells you to stop and then something comes in we talk about that quite a lot, don't we? And, mm -hmm. and we both have had big, big lessons 
in our lives where we haven't listened mm. and then the universe has given us a good big whack around the head and a sign and now we we both are very connected with our intuition and it doesn't take long to connect with that and make decisions from that and luckily our intuition is very aligned so we often come to conclusions or ideas that the other person was kind of getting there anyway yeah uh, we have both you know in our own way taken huge leaps of faith they've been scary or for me anyway they've been scary every time and that's why it's a leap of faith but every single time they've paid off mm. and had huge learning learning curves so you both started to train and teach in yoga. Was that something that came natural or how how did the yoga part come into your lives? I guess um, for me in terms of the yoga at the beginning, it was a way for me to resolve some injury that I had in my body. So mm -hmm. from sailing professionally for so many years, I'd actually blown a number of discs in my spine and I'd had surgery when I was 15. And it was a, it was a real recurrent thing for me during my 20s because although I was quite fit I wasn't really that healthy I wasn't moving my body in a in a sort of really positive way and I had some fairly bad habits that I picked up from my sailing days it was when I was living in Italy when I was I think about 26 27 and and I really had this massive eruption in my spine and I had to kind of stop working I had to move back to the UK and rehabilitate and this time I decided rather than having surgery again, which I had done at 15, that I was going to find another route. And this was really like 10 years ago. It was really before holistic health was really in the limelight. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the osteopaths and the acupuncturists were still quite like low key and seemed to be really bizarre. But I just was really determined to, to, you know, not sort of follow that path. So then actually my sister took me to a yoga class. She took me to an Iyengar class, which is really designed for for people with injuries, basically people with sort of limited mobility. And it was a kind of a love hate thing. Like I could see how it was really positively impacting my back and my physical body. But at the same time, like I found it really hard because I had to be still and I was I wasn't that still still a person at that time um, and, uh, and yeah so then I just I kind of, kind of continued on I went back to sailing uh, for a few more years and hadn't really noticed that the benefit wasn't just physical like I noticed that I was feeling less inclined to, to drink as much as I used to drink to smoke as much as I used to smoke to do all the other things that I used to do mm. um, through through going to these classes so I, I, I just started to steer myself a bit more towards kind of healthier living and then finally when I sort of just got to a tipping point basically where I realized that the lifestyle that I was living as a sailor it, it wasn't my path and it was causing me a lot of discomfort physically and mentally and emotionally and I'd noticed myself having little kind of depressive moments and and you know I I never had had that growing up um, and I noticed that when I went to yoga, I sort of felt better. So then I just kind of threw everything in as my sailing job and just really, again, another wing and a prayer moment. I mm. quit my job, went to Central America and just signed up to become a yoga teacher. And I had no idea 
what that meant. Like I didn't, I knew that I wanted to follow some kind of path in wellness, but I didn't know if I would, I actually wanted to teach yoga. I didn't know really what that looked like, but I just had this driving, overwhelming knowing that that was what I had to do. Mm, I love that because so many people have this but still don't go for it and then mm-hmm. in down the road end up uh, you know hitting the wall or or being really uh, depressed or sad in life yeah and it's it's something that i mean i feel i do feel really fortunate in i mean i was i was brought up in a very traditional family uh, like like many people have been where very much the focus was on trusting your head it's all about the importance of thoughts and importance of mental acuity and importance of like intelligence and intellect and academia there was no uh, education for me as a child around emotion and feeling and following God and following intuition Um, but I felt I, I kind of felt that I had somebody looking over me from a young age from a more spiritual side who was helping to guide me because I know from a young age I I felt this pull to something different like yeah. I I felt this, I I always questioned this idea of like academia and f- this idea of following the head versus the heart and so I I grew up with a knowing in myself that was like I I know there's something different for me I know there's something that's calling me so I've had although it's been very big leaps of faith I've had very little challenge with with that trust of intuition than I Mm. think a lot of people go through oh I love that the time that is now I think when we are in this switch of going from the head down to the heart in our control and everything it's uh, it's creating a lot of confusion for a lot of people because they don't understand why are their body you know speaking so loud when their analytic mind is saying something else or their habits and I think that's when all this stuff like yoga and everything comes in that is such a good help on the way because yeah. then it, your body speaks naturally to you. I think when you start seeing that it works it yeah. does help you I mean every big leap of faith is a leap of faith in nature in that you haven't done that before. And so the lessons change and the lessons grow and the leaps become bigger. But it does help when you start making those decisions and you do see that it works. I mean, it doesn't mean that the path is plain sailing, but you know that it's the right choice. Then you can at least go back to that as well and go, no, I've done this before. This has worked before, you know, and you can just you can see the proofs in the pudding that when you do listen, it does pay off. And often that's not always in the way that you had planned. And that's often the most and certainly the the biggest and loveliest surprises around just sticking to your gut feeling. Yeah. And so for you, Lucy, was it a smooth transition from ballet to yoga or? I was brought up in a a more alternative family. So Mm -hmm. I was brought up in alternative medicine and my dad is an artist and never had a really conventional career in that sense. And I was encouraged to think abstractly and even becoming a, a professional contemporary dancer. You know, that's not within the norm and 
And it's certainly not making decisions based on money. It's based on on what you want to say artistically. So your your vision and um, your passion for that. So the moving into a different career into yoga didn't seem too strange for me, though I do remember a lot of my friends really confused as to why I trained so hard to be a professional dancer and then had started the career. And just when I quit, I had just had a huge job and it was really the breaking of into this new opportunity in terms of my dance career. Mm. And then I decided to quit. And so like, I think a lot of people find it really hard to understand that I had made that choice when I put all this, this work into it. But luckily, my family weren't like that. And I do remember a lot of my, some of my friends anyway, who are more on the more conventional or made decisions based on what was a quote unquote sensible idea, really worried for me. They and and I now see that it's actually that they weren't worried for me. They were just confused. And also, they hadn't taken those leaps of faith. And so they wanted to know, like, where it would go wrong so they could stay in there. Um, you know, as soon as they heard that it hadn't gone to plan, they could stay within their bubble of of um, continuing with an aspect of their life that maybe they weren't so happy with. So that part wasn't so much the challenge. I mean, I was going a million miles an hour as a dancer and I just continued going a million miles an hour as a yoga teacher. And that ended me with quite severe adrenal fatigue after the first year of teaching, which was my first huge 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 lesson from my body um and I at that time when I got it I couldn't do anything I couldn't I could only sleep in my bed at night and then just about make it downstairs to the sofa and then lie and only be able to um, I mean like a big task of the day would be choosing what tea I would drink and sometimes that would leave me in tears so I at that point that was my first huge leaf of faith actually because I didn't know when I was going to get better and I didn't know if I was going to get better I had to really really question how I'd been living my life and I that was when I was introduced to yin yoga and and yin as a concept as well because I only had a couple of gears and that was like gear four up to gear six out of six (laughs) And, you know, the other gears just hadn't really had a look in. And my adrenal fatigue was my big lesson of listening to my body. That transition into the rest of my life was a huge lesson for me. And I see, I mean, we both see so many wired but tired people come through our retreats and our trainings. And it's quite easy to recognize just because I recognize myself in them. And I'm not like that now and I do still have to check in and I do still have to uh, take responsibility for how much energy I'm putting into something or making sure that I get enough Mm. restorative rest but um, I really felt as soon as I switched to being a yoga teacher the universe just was waiting for me to make that decision because things came into my life that I couldn't have planned but it was totally the right thing um and there were obviously hiccups and you realign and you you know you you change course but really that I was I was just blown away by how much in flow I felt whereas as a dancer before 
I was pushing so hard. So I was getting somewhere, but it was only because I was pushing. I didn't really feel like I was in flow with the universe. Things were only happening because I was pushing for them to happen. And then when I became a yoga teacher, it happened. And um, that was a huge shift for me. I mean, that's so great also because most of us, I think as well, are so into this that to get something you have to really work and push and and, uh, and struggle maybe even. And life is not about that at all in this new way of living, I believe, because yeah. it's more about following the flow. And yes, you still have to work hard and everything, but it comes from another place. Yeah, and I still feel that I have to, I'm still unpicking that training for myself. Yeah. That idea of only getting something if you've worked and suffered for it. And mm-hmm. I think that's such, in the UK, anyway, and we're both from the UK, that mentality of you have to push and you have to work hard. And, and I agree that it is good to work and strive towards something that you're truly passionate about but you don't have to suffer in order to receive. And I still fall in that trap and have to do continual and constant checking in and working on myself Mm. to to unpick that belief that is is only a belief that I've been sold that's not based on anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm so curious about yin yoga. But before we, we go into that, I just want to anyone who's listening because we talked about the pineapple house and it's a five bedroom boutique hotel yeah so it's it started as a three bedroom yeah and then uh, we expanded it to the villa next door so it's now a five bedroom villa and we have a couple of swimming pools and we have a beautiful team who work for us. So we have a glorious manager called Era, who is she was born to do uh, yeah. hosting retreats. <laughs> she was she was the massage therapist for the royal family of the, of Bahrain, and so she travelled around the world with them. And so she's really she's she's a pretty special character. And then we have Agus, who is our villa sort of the the property manager and driver and uh, he as you probably experienced is a wonderful storyteller oh, and will yes. tell you yeah. all sorts of fascinating stories about Bali about the traditions about the spiritual faith here and um and then we have Kadek who is our housekeeper and cook and um they're they're, they're such a, a wonderful wonderful team i mean me and Edda have worked together for kind of close on seven years now so it's we're, we're just like a big family yeah and you can feel that when you step into the place because it's so warming and what i also enjoyed so much was these uh, healers coming to work and the masseuse and and they were so great yeah i rachel started it i mean correct me if i'm wrong rachel but as kind of the initial idea was to give people an opportunity to step into the lifestyle that we have here mm. and you know, that is surfing and that is doing yoga. But Bali is a hub of of such incredible practitioners and healers. And we've tried a lot Mm -hmm. over the years. And we've had such amazing insight and results and shifts. And so we offer the best of the best that, that we've tried and tested because we just want people to experience what we've experienced. So they really are. The, I mean, we add we add people in as we keep discovering more people, but 
um, yeah, they are all tried and tested and from all over. Some of them are local and some of them have have made a home here. That is one of our um, biggest draws is the healers that we work with because yeah. they're quite phenomenal. Yeah, definitely. I, I just loved it. And the breakfast, I'm, I'm still dreaming about those banana pancakes. <laughs> yeah, they are so good. <laughs> yeah. So get back to the yoga, yin yoga, for anyone who's not into um, that kind of yoga, what does it do and, and what's the advantages with this practice? Yeah, so it's a it's a really much gentler, more restorative style of yoga than what a lot of people have perhaps experienced in in the studios that they go to so we like to use this analogy of you know you have something perhaps like vinyasa yoga or ashtanga or bikram which is what we call really yang uh, which is the opposite of yin so you'll be i'm sure all of you will be familiar with with the phrase yin and yang right and that symbol mm. the black and the white with the dots um, and this represents basically polarities and yin being the feminine side of the coin which is all about sort of more introspective in this instance where we're talking about like a movement modality it's more it's more introspective it's softer it's cooler it's more calming it's more grounding versus something that's more young like ashtanga or bikram or crossfit which is more heating it's more movement based it's more fiery it's more focused on like the like outside of the body rather than inside of the body so yin as a practice basically what we do is we rest our body in different shapes um, that are predominantly like lying down or seated uh, and it's kind of a multifunctional practice, as, as many practices are, like on a physical level, it helps to um, open up our fascia, which is our uh, kind of tissue in the body, which is it's a kind of a bit like a cobweb in the body um, that sort of kind of attaches everything to everything else. And on a more energetic level, it helps to really calm us. So it impacts our nervous system, oftentimes kind of as Lucy's touched on um, a lot of people spend a lot of time in their sympathetic nervous system which you might commonly know as fight or flight um, that's when we're constantly sort of like ramped up we're feeling really stressed we're just constantly doing and we're constantly busy and yin yoga enables us to shift more into what we call our parasympathetic nervous system which is our rest digest repair reproduce and connect part of our nervous system and also it, it enables us to really cultivate presence. So we use a lot of mindfulness cues in our yin yoga practice. And then finally, we, we sort of teach it from a perspective of the five element theory from traditional Chinese medicine, meaning that we look at different meridian pathways or energy pathways in the body and the organs in the body or the organ systems in the body that they correspond to and and how these organ systems and seasons because all the organ systems connect to a season how that really impacts how we live i love that you could talk about that for three hours more <laughs> i mean we talk 50 hours <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yin yoga teacher training and that's when we compact it down um but it is there is so many different layers to it and um What's been so amazing to see is that this style or more restorative style, but particularly yin yoga, has become 
more and more available and you see it more in studios now. Um, I mean, when I was first introduced to it, I, I couldn't find another class. And really, it's the style that we, I mean, obviously, we're deeply passionate about it. And so we offer teacher trainings in it. But even when we're teaching one-on-one and in Bali here, we teach at, um, obviously, at our own retreats and at other people's treats and trainings and um, private groups. But often it's, for me anyway, when I'm teaching one-on-one, it's often the style that we end up doing because more and more we're seeing people come through our retreats or coming to stay here in Bali who are completely exhausted Mm. and who don't understand why or they don't understand what's going on. Because when you're really depleted, it affects you in so many different ways. And if you're not shown how to connect the dots, then it becomes really confusing and and then because we are taught and or given the message um, when we're growing up that you have to constantly do, 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 then people often try and do their way out of exhaustion. And so a lot of the time we spend our private sessions educating as much as we do doing the practices of yin yoga because uh, we feel, I feel anyway, that by passing on information that will inform people and empower people to learn how to rest gives them a much better chance of resting more deeply and also taking the courage to rest when they go back home. So a lot of the time we're teaching in yoga in our private classes because what I feel anyway, it's the style that will most serve people when they are in that complete sort of wired but tired um, depleted and and kind of confused um, point in their lives and it's just so amazing it blows me away every single time how much it changes people's lives you see those aha moments the aha moments that we have had in our lives and the tools particularly in our trainings as well it's a real personal journey as well as learning how to teach it Mm. and to offer people those tools and then to know that they go out and spread to their countries where their teaching is so amazing because more and more we're seeing people just need to learn how to rest and also understand why it is they've got themselves ramped up and to have the courage to slow down as well because it takes a lot of courage to step back when your mind's telling you you need to go, go, go all the time. Courage and time, because I remember when I started doing yoga, I was living very fast and got to the hospital with my heart. And uh, then I started yoga. And I remember the first five or ten times, maybe even, I just thought it was so slow. And that wasn't even yin yoga. That was like classic yoga. And I, I just thought it was so slow. And why would I have to just lie here or, or do this? And then... After a few times, I started to feel that my body was giving me gratitude for doing it and starting to feel the good things about this. Because when when you're so stressed, you you really have a hard time slowing down. Yeah. And it does take it takes courage and also guidance and a community as well of of finding other people you can slow down with or at least Mm. kind of, you know, talk to and be like, "I've, I've really found myself ramping up and then 
have someone who understands it as well and talks through what's going on for you so you can get some great coaching but also just having a community of other people being like oh my god yes I I was doing too much this week as well like holding each other in that space of slowing down and creating your own community of people who who get it as well so that you're not just trying to do it against the tide of everyone else around you but you're really building a community of people who are who are striving for optimum health and understand that that means it takes some sometimes some difficult decisions and mm. some courageous decisions as well. Anyone joining, do you have to have a practice yoga before you're doing the yin yoga uh, training or what's the qualifications to do it? Yeah, so currently our, our yin yoga training is still in person mm-hmm. as of um, the beginning of May when we're recording this. Our next training is at the end of August in Bali. However, with the current situation that's going on with with travel, we are just starting to have the discussion about taking it online. So um, the the training that we have that is online at the moment is the is the breath training. Okay. Um, yeah. We launched that a few days ago. And but for the for the yin training, we're for 99 percent certain it's going to go online um, in the next sort of two or three months. And yeah, I mean, it is open to both of our trainings are open to anybody. You don't have to have had any any previous experience in yoga or breathing Um, for our yin training. We do get a lot of yoga teachers obviously coming to add it to their tool belt. But we also get practitioners, just regular yoga practitioners who really just want to deepen their own understanding of yin yoga. So the way that we we structure the course is that you can still really gain so much from doing it, even if you don't want to teach. Um, so it's it's not so much of um, like a, a requirement for anything or kind of an interview process. It's really just a desire to, you know, to want to slow down, um, to really want to understand where you've got to um, to a point where perhaps, you know, understanding like your body's starting to break down or you're starting to feel that you'll become really reactive or you feel that there's this real sense of unease. Uh, you know, a lot of times we hear people that's just like, I just know that I'm not doing what I'm going to be doing and I just need to find a way to figure this out. And, and yin yoga is actually really great portal for that because oftentimes when we're not on our path and we sense that something is up and we don't really know we can't put our finger on it it, it's because we actually need to create more space in our life to be able to hear these subtle messages because what we talk about a lot in in our training is that it's the it's the subtle messages from whatever it is you believe in, whether it's God, divine, spirit, universe. Um, they're, they're, the messages are really subtle. So we've got to be quiet to hear them. And if you're busy, 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 you you don't have the space and the silence to be able to hear that. So we get a lot of people coming through who kind of been this sort of intuitive pull. Like it's like I just kind of I just kind of knew that I needed to do this training or I just kind of knew that I needed to study with you ladies because mm. I read about you or heard about you on a podcast um, and just really felt that I, I needed to to hear more of what you sort of say. So, you know, we're, we're really open to sharing this message with anyone that will listen, yeah. to be quite honest, because yeah. everybody needs to hear it, in our opinion. And there's so many different parts to the training. You know, there's the, obviously the physical practices and you're learning about the body and fascia and, and all that kind of part of the practice. But we are so passionate about five element theory and 
a lot of people come without any knowledge and they know that that's part of the training or they know a little bit and that's often the part that blows people away because it is so relatable to everyone's lives mm. you regardless of what physical practice or physical experience you've had and then there's the mindfulness and meditation practice so there's so many different layers to the training and to the experience that people who whatever message people need to hear they'll pick that part of the training and then they, as they begin to explore deeper and deeper there's so many layers that they can just really dive deep and you get people who come from so many different walks of life and they come away with way more than they thought they would and that's just I mean we're just stoked to be offering that it's such a joy to be facilitating that um we really buzz off it and i think if, if you want to to try out some of your work you're doing right now the whole health project mm. yeah so we um as as part of response to um the the covid19 situation one of the things that we created was this facebook group called the whole health project and it's it's a free group where you know as people ourselves who have got so many years in the health and wellness industry you know we have a lot of connections so we decided to create this group where we're inviting uh practitioners to come in and it really is practitioners on i mean every kind of sphere imaginable within health and wellness so we've got yoga pilates uh hit trainings we've got womb awakenings yoga nidra eft um i mean there's i mean it's becoming quite quite expansive and so practitioners come in and they offer um classes or workshop all by donation So they all have their own personal donation links beneath the video. We're not taking a cut of of anybody's um, donations, um, so that people who need to receive those practices for free, if they they don't have the ability to donate, they can really explore. And you know, part of the excitement is that. Now you get to explore different practices from practitioners all over the world, but also perhaps practices you've never even heard of before. Mm-hmm. You know, especially perhaps if you live somewhere more conventional or in a big city where perhaps you just don't have access to, you know, really alternative alternative practitioners. And this is a really beautiful opportunity. And then for the practitioner, it gives them the ability to be seen by a whole new audience of people. Um so it's this real it's a real kind of collaborative um project that's it's going really well and we're really enjoying the different people that are coming in the different practitioners that are offering uh it's really it's really exciting and for how long is it going to go on forever forever yeah oh really <laughs> <That's great. laughs> it keeps growing and growing i mean it's it's kind of taken on a life of its own and we're getting people who are joining the group who are have never done any yoga before and they just they're at home and they're in lockdown they just feel a calling towards trying something out mm. um we have people coming in for a particular practitioner and then they discover all these different practitioners there as well so yeah that's um that's not ending anytime soon and really it's to serve people who are at home and serve the practitioners who maybe don't have the same studio platforms or same ways of being able to reach to people so we are just kind of the uh, the meeting ground for that 
that's brilliant. And you also did this uh, breath coach uh, teacher training, mm-hmm. but before that you did like this six days um, Facebook training as well. Yeah, so we decided, I mean, one of the big things that we noticed in our yin training is that people were really into the breath work and into the mindfulness. And we knew that that was an area we were going to move more into. But obviously, like with so many people, we didn't know that it was going to happen so quickly once COVID-19 hit the the travel and, and, and the ability for people to travel and be with us. So it became really clear to us that we um, we wanted to offer the breath coaching course uh, sooner rather than later and to help people here at home because we wanted to help people on an emotional and a, on a health level and then also give people the opportunity to actually earn money while they're at home so that they're not just reliant on the job that they had and to help to improve the lives of the community and family around them as well. So it was just a win-win. And we wanted to educate people and offer more breathing exercises in the lead up to that. So we launched a six day breath challenge, breathwork challenge. And each day we would alternate and we would offer a different exercise and explain when you would use it and what purpose, whether it was a calming breath or an energizing breath or a breath to help you sleep or to be more grounded. And that's been really fun. It's been really easy to offer because it's just a five minute practice for people to just do whenever they see us online or mm. over the over 24 hours. And we've had so many messages from people who I mean, personally, I've had messages from friends I haven't been in touch with for years and then they pop up and they thank me for the breathing exercise that we offered. So that's been really fun. And we've been blown away by the response for the breath coach training. And that's we've we've got people on that course from all over the world. And um, it's been nice to move into that space as well, because as a, we do get a collective group of people for the yin training but as it still is yoga it's people who are who are or have some interest or are teachers in yoga but the breath coach training I mean we've offered that for an additional 50% for any front care medical uh, workers and so we're getting people who work in hospitals we're getting people who work with kids and the group that we're reaching out to and offering these breathing exercises has been a much wider group than we have had in with the yin yoga. So that's been really fun mm. to see them come in and, and to see we're now a week into almost a week, not even a week into the training mm. and the feedback that we've got has just been such a joy to read because it's, affecting people in in so many different positive ways that we knew it would that's why we wanted to offer it but to get that feedback has just been so fun hasn't Mm. it it's been so rewarding I mean we all know that it's important to breathe and I think a lot of especially women we breathe a lot uh, high up because we don't want to have uh, air in the stomach because then it's (laughs) Pouches. <laughs> so what, what would you say is the main benefits of really expanding your breath and getting into it? 
Oh, I mean, the the benefits are, um, I mean, they're they're pretty infinite, to be honest. Mm. Like, you know, one of the one of the things that I talk quite a lot about on the training is is dysfunction, and how how we end up in a place of dysfunctional breathing, which is the case for the majority of people because of stress. And this is again, Lucy, one of Lucy and mine's like biggest messages is is about helping people to navigate stress and recognize the way that most people have been living is really not sustainable in terms of health and wellness. And you know, it's really bringing people's awareness to the fact that you know when we breathe it's it affects every single cell in our body how we breathe because breath the breath is our life force like i love this uh quote that you know we can go for weeks without food we can go for days without water but we can only go for minutes without the breath yet the breath is the thing that until now really has been given the least emphasis in um, kind of health and wellness. You know, there's loads of, of information around the food that we should put in our body and the water that we should be drinking and making sure you're having your green smoothies and all this. But not many people talk about the importance of of understanding the breath and, and going back to the real fundamentals. Like I'm I'm all for these super dynamic practices of breath work. For those of you that have practiced like rebirthing or shamanic breathing, but before that, we need to understand how we're breathing, why why we breathe, like what goes on and how the lifestyle that perhaps we've been living or the way that we've been moving our body or the environment that we've been living in with regard to the air that we breathe has a super detrimental effect on every aspect of our being. It, it impacts how we think. It impacts how clear or foggy our mind is. It Im impacts how reactive or, or responsive we are. It impacts the health of our body, the health of every single cell. It impacts our organs. Like it's, it's huge. Like just as an example, you know, diaphragmatic breathing. So our diaphragm is, is the primary breathing muscle. When that's not working effectively, which it isn't in most people, because most people's diaphragms are very weak, again, pr primarily due to stress of some form, we're one of the impacts, one of the many impacts of breathing really well with a diaphragm is it massages our internal organs. 25 to 35,000 times every single day and massaging releases toxins. It helps to keep the organs fresh. So, you know, if somebody, for example, is, is struggling with, you know, something like IBS or digestive issues, we can often look at the breath and see that there's a direct correlation between somebody's dysfunctional breathing and certain like diseases that are appearing in the body. So that's really one of our you know, huge messages is is really bringing people back to this, the fundamentals of, of breathing and allowing people to see the different dysfunctions that can arise in their own body, but also in, in the body of the people that they'll go on to to coach and teach and then helping people, you know, to to navigate and move out of that dysfunction. And as as Lucy mentioned, we're about we're about five days into our, our training at the moment and registrations opened and for this round until the end of July. So it, it's not just one set start date, but just after five days, the response from our students who are going through the training is like, wow, I feel so much calmer just after five days. I can't wait to see what happens after two weeks. Like there's all these shifts that they're experiencing themselves because we, Part of the training is we're requiring people to have a twice daily practice as part of the training and they've got to, you know, they've got to submit reports around their practice. Um, mm. So it's, it's it, it literally is life changing. One of the I, I've been teaching breathwork for quite a number of years now. And when I teach breathwork, particularly, say, on teacher trainings for yoga, 
one of the things that I've often said is that I, I asked myself a question maybe about a year ago was if I was only ever allowed to share one message as part of my business, I, you know, I can't imagine why that would ever be the case. But if I were like, what would that one message be? Like, what do I think is the most important thing of all the tools that I have in my tool belt to teach? And it, and it was an, an unres, it was just a resounding answer of a bit like, well, it would be teaching, teaching people to breathe. Like if I could only do one thing, it would be getting people to breathe because, you know, breath is life at the end mm. of the day. Mm. I love that. And also now with this virus going on and we have the lungs, we really need to keep them um, healthy. And Yeah, I think it's bringing people's awareness mm. to how important it is. And it's so accessible because everybody has a breath, but you don't know what you don't know. So if you've never had your attention brought to how important the breath is, how are you going to know that you might have a breathing dysfunction or that you're not optimizing and using the breath to its full capacity? Yeah. So it's um, it's great that now the message is starting to become more widespread so that more people can improve their breath and, and see those shifts for themselves in their own lives. Mm. And do you have like one tip for, say, anyone listening who is starting now to noticing their breath, <laughs> uh, something that they could uh, think about or, or do as an exercise, like a short? Uh... Yeah, I'd, I'd say probably one of the um, simplest and most effective and easy exercises is literally just lying on your belly like on a hard-ish surface so if you've got a harder mattress or on the floor mm -hmm. and you can place your head on your hands or your cheek on your hands and just start to breathe deeply so we we talk about breathing into your belly you don't actually breathe into your belly what happens is you just inflate the lungs really well and and that in turn means that the the belly starts to protrude as you inhale so just doing do, doing that, making sure your shoulders are really soft and focusing on the inhale and your belly kind of essentially sticking out and it will push into the floor. And then as you exhale, the belly will just gently soften its its push on the floor and just doing that for a few times. So this is what we call belly breathing, but it also starts to a little bit train and strengthen the diaphragm, which is the primary breathing muscle in the body, which is often very weak. So when we do it lying on our belly, particularly, we're using the floor as like a like a tiny mini resistant trainer because the diaphragm is a muscle. And like any other muscle in the body, if we don't use it, we lose it. It loses its strength and its ability. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a really great way to to start to connect into belly breathing because oftentimes like people people kind of know intellectually what belly breathing is but when it comes to the reality of doing it they notice that that whole area that lower abdomen and belly is really like really stuck and contracted and kind of like you you mentioned earlier about how we might suck our bellies in because we don't perhaps want to look fat mm -hmm. um that that causes um a lot of trouble with our breathing and it can cause the diaphragm to weaken it can cause a lot of tension to to basically be in our lower abdomen so by lying on the floor and just taking some deep breaths and allowing the belly to inflate and push against the floor where we're, we're reminding the body how to breathe diaphragmatically and deeply oh that's great i'm gonna try it after <laughs> after this so i will put the links to your online breath work below in the text uh, i got you right that it's not too late to, to jump in right now 
No, so we uh, we have registration open for this round until the 31st of July 2020. And the, the requirements is that you have a pulse. <laughs> That's basically. Easy to, uh... <laughs> and and a passion and a passion to to learn about the breath but i'm pretty i'm going to assume that if you're applying you have a passion to learn mm-hmm. about the breath so i know you were going to portugal but that got postponed I yeah believe. yeah so we had yeah we had created our first pop-up retreat or first retreat that was happening outside of bali and that was going to happen in June. And we really waited for the last possible minute before we realized that we really would have to postpone it. So we're looking to do that again whenever the time is right, when travel, when people can travel more freely. Getting the yin training online is one of our next big projects. Mm-hmm. We're going to continue to grow whole health and serve people at home, but also the practitioners we both today booked in a holiday. <laughs> we finished our last yin training at the beginning of March, and it was during that training that I started to realize that this was going to have, that the COVID-19 was going to have a much bigger effect on our companies than we thought. And then everything just snowballed so quickly so we, we're we very lucky in the way that we are very adaptable people and that we are ideas people. So, you know, we came up with whole health and with the teacher training and then really ran with those ideas. And we haven't really stopped since then. Mm-hmm. So we um, it's been nice to know that we've had a bit of a, a, a deadline knowing that the course is up. But um, we also know that we now need to take some time for ourselves. So we're going to be separate for a week or two, which will be a strange experience. But we move intuitively. So we have some ideas, but also I'm sure things will come mm. up that will that will be blindingly obvious when they do come up. And yeah. I have no, no doubt that they come up. But for now we've we've got a lot to go on yeah but we're we're real creators so we will continue creating that's definitely our path so now it's time for the five questions that i ask all my guests with the different perspectives my mission is to ignite our pure heart so we can hear our inner voice that we've been talking about in this pod and uh, to hear all the wisdom and joy and love there are of course several ways to get to that destination and I just love to hear all my guests' take on this. So I'm sure you as well as most of us have days when you take a sidestep and fall out of the beautiful flow. And I think we already uh, talked about a few of them. But what is your trick to connect to your inner voice or your heart, as I like to say? And can you tell when you're not connected? Yeah, I, <laughs> I can, um, I've definitely experienced both. Um, for me, I feel... When I'm trying to make decisions from my head, it runs something like this. Or maybe you should do that. What about that? But have you thought about that? And I don't know if that's a good idea. And my head kind of runs around trying to find the right answer. Whereas when the decision is coming from my gut feeling or my heart, it just says one thing, which is that's what you got to do. It doesn't necessarily help you with the logistics or with your doubts or with helping you out working the step-by-step to get there it leaves that up to the brain but the message is consistent and clear and 
often we can overshadow that by the mind just going crazy in all these different ways and convincing you one way and then making you doubt the other way and then convincing you in a different way. And, and for me, if I notice that much movement in my head, it's often because it's just my mind trying to make decisions and that's not what my mind's there for. My mind's to work out how to logistically do things, you know, like our decision of which direction we were going to go from the moment that we realized that COVID-19 was going to have such a huge impact on the island we're living in, in and on and and our companies mm. was a gut feeling. And then we've been very much using our minds to work out how to make that happen. But for me, that's the two is having the courage to listen to that one word or one sentence and then taking the steps to realize that to to put that into action but if it comes from a very busy place it's often just the mind trying to be in control that's my yeah. experience yeah so then you answered my next question as well <laughs> how to uh, differ the heart's voice from the ego's voice but say you, you're feeling that okay i'm a bit uh, i'm not connected right now is the the breath work or is it the yoga you go to or do you just sit down and uh, refocus or for me it's it's stillness Mm-hmm. finding some sort of stillness l- reducing the amount of movement whether that's in my head or whether that's physically um and that can and also to help my nervous system come down so that my focus isn't looking so externally it's finding stillness being in nature and in that stillness there is space for my heart to be heard mm. and also i think a lot of us, we can hear our voice. We know that it's coming from our heart or from our inner life. And then it's time for action. And sometimes that is uh, easier said than done. So can you think of an example when you follow this voice, even though your head might have wanted you to go in a completely different direction? The big one with me was leaving my partner in Australia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously if you exit any relationship it takes a long time to finally get to that decision and it's never black and white and I had to accept that that was the truth and I also had to accept that it wasn't black and white that it wasn't going to be just because you're listening to your gut feeling it doesn't mean it's going to be a plain sailing Mm. journey you know there was a lot of heartache in there there was a lot of grief there was a lot of of a lot of the emotions that you associated with being quote unquote bad. And once I'd got to that stage where I knew I had to leave, I knew I had to leave. And that's partly my character as well. Like once I finally get there, then there's, then there's no changing, but it, it certainly didn't mean that there was a plain sailing road ahead. And, and maybe that's what had kept me from making that decision prior to that. And maybe there were other decisions that I hadn't made based on my gut feeling because the story of how difficult it would be was was being really convincing. And I think and I, I observe in a lot of people who know the decision that they need to make, but they also then can see some of the difficulties that that will mean. And so they shy away from it because mm. we are not taught to sit with discomfort and pain. We're taught to run away from it. And I had to sit with the biggest pains that I've had in my life 
from leaving my ex-partner and and that was the bravest decision I've ever made in my life and and it it wasn't clear cut and and um it wasn't black and white and there was still a lot of love and there was still a lot of uncertainty and and even so I still knew that it was the right decision and I had to sit for a long time with a lot of a lot of discomfort and pain and anger and all those things and I had the wisdom then to know that I was listening to my gut feeling and therefore it was the right choice but if I hadn't been taught those tools or hadn't had that wisdom I probably would have run back to something that covered up that pain even though it wasn't the right decision for me and I've made those decisions in small doses and we all make all lots of different decisions based on our gut feeling that don't have such a big impact. But that one was huge for me because I was leaving one of my soulmates. And I, I personally believe that you meet a few in your life. And I was lucky enough to be with one and leaving a country. And that meant leaving my friends there and, and leaving the idea of the life I thought I was creating. And so letting go of those ideas and the story that you have for yourself as to what your life's going to look like takes uh, a lot of um, courage and and, a, and an open mind because, you know, I didn't know what country I was going to live in. I didn't know what job I was going to do. And obviously the universe provided and, and a lot of it through Rachel, <laughs> who, you know, who, who it was just such perfect timing in so many ways. But I had no idea about any of that when I left. And it was just as scary as... Um, it was more scary than anything I'd done before. But I think I had the tools as well to know that I could sit in discomfort and that everything was going to be okay, even though it didn't feel great. And sometimes it felt pretty bad. Hmm. That's a big, big leap. Yeah, it um, was a huge leap. Mm, yeah. And big trust and really hearing hearing what you truly wanted. Yeah. It's lovely. So then gratitude, I feel, is a lovely way to get more of the moments in life that we enjoy. And sometimes we forget that this is a great creator tool, and especially when it comes to ourselves. So do you have any tip to see and accept and be grateful to our own beautiful part in the flow of life when we forget? Maybe breathing. <laughs> mm, yeah, and for me, um, and I think for Lucy as well, like gratitude is a huge part of, of my daily practice. Mm. Um, you know, it is one of the most highest vibration or um, sort of emotions and experiences that we can have. So it's something that especially when I'm coaching people, I bring people to a lot is is gratitude. And, you know, oftentimes when when people are really, you know, stuck in their story, they're not they're not able to see through whatever challenges it is they've got going on. Often oftentimes we hear, well, you know, there's not much that I feel grateful for, especially right now. Right. With COVID-19, it's people mm. are losing their jobs people are dying, people are not being able to go and see loved ones. Like there's, you know, there's a lot of challenge and, but there is always something that we can be grateful for. And what I often say to people is even if, even if it's something in your past, even if it's something that's like years, years, years back of like, well, I'm really grateful for that childhood friend I had who, you know, used to make me laugh a lot. And we need to be able to cultivate that, that, you know, attitude of gratitude in order for us to see opportunity and opportunity can be 
in business. It can be in life. It can be in love. It can be in just a greater expansive awareness of, of what's coming. But when we're really closed down and when we see, you know, nothing with gratitude, when we can't really like experience appreciation, then that's when we experience life in a really negative way. So, you know, it can even be like, I'm really grateful for my little fingernail. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, if you're really struggling with having gratitude for the bigger things, start with something that's tiny. Mm. Like, look at look at the ants on the floor and be like, wow, I'm really grateful for the ants. Like, they're pretty cool. Mm. Um, I'm really grateful for those birds tweeting in the trees. You know, and then once we can start to just cultivate this this appreciation for things, perhaps that we feel less connected to, then we start to bring that gratitude closer to us. And we start to you know, we literally start to change our vibration. We literally start to be able to see what is in front of us and what is around us that we can have gratitude for. Mm. And I think now with this lockdown as well, we are starting to feel grateful for things we took for granted before and the things we thought we have to have they are just faded away they are not important so it's kind of a really good lesson right now yeah it really is i i was talking to someone the other day who travels a lot for work and it used to be really bugger she's like why wow, i travel so much for work i'm so tired and now she's like i'm never gonna say that again yeah. <laughs> when i get back when i get back to being able to travel for work i'm gonna be so grateful for that it's like yeah yeah and so we all also have um, ups and downs in life of course and when do you feel most connected to the flow of life and uh, how does it show up Hmm. I guess I feel most connected to the flow of life when I'm like when I'm when I'm doing my practices. So mm. which is most of the time, you know, I've I've been at this for years now. So I have a pretty consistent practice where, you know, I wake up in the morning and it may not be in this order. I, I have a two year old who disrupts, you know, she's she's the ultimate life disruptor. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I meditate, I do gratitude, I have my routines and rituals for my Aveda, like my neti potting and my tongue scraping, I, I move my body. Um, and there's quite a, quite a few of these practices and, uh, you know, they might be in different, um, volumes depending on the day. Like I can definitely see for sure that my practices have started to sort of drop off a little bit as we've been so, um, intensely creating this breath coach training. Um, but I know that the more that I do, the more that I, that as Lucy's kind of talked about, the more that I sit in silence, the more that I sit in space, the more that I kind of connect to something that is greater than me, the the much more I feel in flow. And it's a very, now it's a really tangible experience. When I started meditating and doing these practices, I wouldn't really notice a massive difference in the beginning. You know, I'd kind of be like, well, I'm doing this. Everybody tells me to do it. And everybody tells me that the benefits are really big. I'm not really experiencing them right now, but I'm going to do it because so many people that I trust have told me to do it. Um, and then over time, it's like, oh, wow, okay. I really can start to see and feel the difference. But it's been the dedication and the commitment that has helped me to see that. So that's that's what it is for me. I can correlate very directly when if, when things aren't feeling quite in flow, when I'm feeling a bit like meh, I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't meditate for the last couple of mornings or mm. I was I was up late on my computer and I just went from my computer straight into bed rather than meditating and creating some space for myself. Mm. 
That's lovely. And I'm so grateful talking about gratitude for you two being here, sharing your stories mm. and uh, inspiring and doing all your work for everyone. So it's a good uh, plus for the world. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Is there anything you'd like to add? No. No, we've really, really enjoyed talking to you and sharing, um, sharing our message with you and your audience. Yes. Okay. So thank you so much. So let's do some meditation jam. And before we start, I'll give you a few seconds to get seated comfortably. And if you can, keep your back straight and your palms up. And if you're lying down, your palms up. So let's start by taking three deep breaths. And imagine that there is a red pillar of healing earth energy that is coming from Mother Earth and it's going up through you and around you, covering your body inside and out and continuing up and out into the sky and the universe. And we now have this red healing earth energy keeping us grounded on this journey. Then imagine that there is a similar pillar of divine bright light, a universal energy that is coming from above and it's going down through you and around you, covering your body inside and out and continuing down into Mother Earth. And we now have this divine universal energy keeping us balanced on this journey. And we take another deep breath. And as we are sitting here Becoming more relaxed by every breath. There is a light that is coming from our third eye. The spot between your eyebrows. And it's a beautiful light that is coming from within. And it's going out into the room or the place where you are strong, clear, infinite and it is a beautiful light that is shining out Lightening up the path in front of you. And 
as it flows from our third eye. It becomes clearer. Maybe softer. Whilst keeping its strength. with a soft and loving feeling let it keep on shining spreading its light its vibration into our future into our day to our path relaxed we become and it's almost like we are shining like a star on earth fearless and solid and if there is any situation in life where you would like some clarity some help you can add that situation into this clear vision from your third eye and maybe you see it transform see it dissolve let whatever comes up for you be the right image right here right now without controlling or pushing 
within your body there is a seed of light that is growing and it's expanding the perfect pace for you a seed of light and love and joy that we now can see with our clear vision or detect and if you like you can ask this seed to expand into your whole body maybe even out and it's a seed of passion for life joy and excitement about our day about our life about ourselves relax and keep on following the journey as 
we expand this lust for life and clear view by just breathing and accepting up for you be the right image feeling or thought right here right now Feel your seed of light has taken its perfect size for you at this moment. We can ask to keep it growing. To intensify. to the future without us controlling or adding boundaries but keeping it free and open to move in this direction from this direction together with our higher light together with our cleared vision and we take another deep breath you can set your intention of keeping this open this seed of light of lust passion to life open in your day your week your month start to come back into the place where you started and we give thanks to mother earth and father universe and our higher self for joining us today and we close our third eye chakra whilst keeping our vision clear Free. You can start to come fully back 
start to move your hands, your feet, your neck. Maybe clap your hands and stamp your feet. And I thank you for listening. Warm welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that and if you fell asleep what we did was we opened up our third eye chakra and let our clear inner view shine up our path, our life, our future, our day and it was also making it possible for us to see this beautiful seed of light that was growing inside our body and expanding all through our body and out and it was a seed of passion for life, lust for life, uh, for excitement and I am not too surprised that this was the energy we tuned into seeing that we've been talking to Rachel and Lucy from Bali and as I said in the beginning my journey to Bali was about tuning into an energy of passion for life so I'm happy to rejoin with this energy and to have it come into us today because I think right now with everything that is going on we do need a little bit of extra oomph (laughs) a little bit of extra help for us to see what we actually have and um, focus on the positive and focus on the beauty of life that is still going on and the more of us that can keep this energy in this higher vibration the easier it is for the rest so it was a good timing to reconnect to this energy again and I remember when I was in Bali doing the energy work it was so instant and tangible this energy of passion for life when we started this meditation even though my body felt slow it was like I couldn't talk fast enough but I know I didn't (laughs) but that's how it felt like a bit of Speedy Gonzales in the energy but luckily it was cleared from my third eye so I I didn't sound like a recorder that went on high speed. So again, I also would like to say a big heartfelt thank you to Rachel and Lucy for joining today and sharing their life stories and also their work and messages. And if you would like to join anything of their trainings or whole health project, you have the links in the text below this pod. And I always find it so inspiring to hear when people are following their hearts as all my guests have done even if it's not clear from the start where you will go you still just follow the flow and keep moving through obstacles and hopefully with this igniting meditation we've done today our path will be a bit clearer and as always they are organic and the transformation for some can be done quickly and for others it can take a month or half a year or maybe a year before noticing what's been transformed so uh, that's why I always like to write down any insights and feelings or thoughts that come up in these meditations so that I can go back and see okay now this has happened and even if I don't understand what it is I am seeing or getting I just write it down to to have it make sense further along the way. So I am going to do a group online Pure Heart Ignition on the 31st of May and if you would like to join in you will have a link for that as well below in the text and it's free and if you like to join but if you can't join exactly on the time then by you signing up you will get a link to the rerun so 
If you'd like to join, please remember to sign up. And the theme we are tuning into is love. And on the 31st of May, it's a worldwide meditation day. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of beautiful energy. And I see myself a bit like a radio that I'm tuning into different energies, whether it's in um, celestial happenings or places on earth or people or other themes. So the theme that we are doing is love. And I'm not sure where we will tune into, but... I'm sure there will be a lot of love in the air (laughs) on this day. So if you enjoy this, please remember to subscribe if you haven't already. And please share. This energy wants to be spread. And I'm so grateful and thankful for you all who are listening and taking this energy further by just aligning with it and spreading it in your surrounding. Until the next time, I hope you stay safe and have a beautiful fortnight and I see you again in two weeks time. Satnam. Mm-hmm.